Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithfield, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Friday, July 24th, we are studying Judges chapter 9, verse 42, through chapter 10, verse 5. Abimelech, the son of Gideon, he has put down one threat to his power, but his rage only increases and his growing violence will lead him to a violent end. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. Pastor Wheatfelt serves as the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thanks, Pastor Oppel. It's good to be with you again. Pastor Wheatfelt, how are things going there at the seminary? Any events coming up even during this time of pandemic? Absolutely. So um, it's we've been uh, slowly bringing our student population back onto campus, and uh, we started our summer Greek uh, just a month ago uh, at, in the middle of uh, June, which was the first real set of students that we had on campus, and some of the first set of students that even any bit of higher ed had on on a campus uh, residentially. So that was a great joy. We've taken all sorts of different safety precautions and uh, doing the same in all of the public spaces here on campus. So we're doing the best that we can to keep our students, faculty and staff safe. But uh, yeah, things are starting to uh, become a little bit uh, more normal uh, or at least part of that new normal. In fact, we're uh, prepping right now uh, for our Summer Christ Academy program, our Timothy School and Phoebe School, uh, that will be happening starting Sunday and going through uh, the next Sunday. And uh, yeah, just excited to be able to provide this program of vocational discernment for high school students and uh, super excited about that. And then the fall is going to look uh, like a typical fall with, again, safety precautions. We've got our confirmation retreat at the beginning of October, our uh, prayerfully consider visit uh, from the 15th to the 17th of October, and then our Christ Academy College at the end of October, October, I think 30, 31, and November 1 uh, for college students who are able to join us. And uh, all that information is on our website at ctsfw.edu. Excellent. Great to hear that that things are, are getting a little bit back to normal during this time of pandemic, that the seminary is continuing to be able to train men to serve as pastors in our church and to continue to, to encourage those young folks in our church to consider those church work vocations. ctsfw.edu. Check it out. Pastor Wheatfelt, let's talk the book of Judges this morning. We're looking here, we're going to be at the end of the Abimelech account, and as well as looking at a couple of minor judges uh, toward the end of the text today. In terms of the book of Judges as a whole, uh, what what should we know about it that will help us as we look at this particular section today? Yeah, uh, the, the book of Judges is, is set up in a very interesting way, at least in my opinion. You know, at the beginning, you've got this disobedience of 
um, disobedience of the the people of Israel, and then you know at the at the kind of end of Joshua, the faithful Joshua, the last kind of linkage to Moses, uh, you've, you have this uh, this disobedience that that the children of Israel uh, do and are a part of. Then Joshua passes away, and then. Um, then Israel remains unfaithful and uh, continues to uh, you know, wallow in the things of this world as opposed to the things of the Lord. And so what does the Lord do? The Lord uh, gives them a series of judges, uh, judges who are called to uh, care for them and to make sure uh, things go well for them. Uh, judges uh, from really chapter three through uh, chapter 16, where we see, um, you know, what were you know, the this kind of interlude period where Abimelech ultimately takes power, uh, puts himself up as now this king doesn't want to be uh, a judge like his father Gideon, but uh, it makes himself a king and things go okay uh, for a little while, but then um, it just reeks of destruction and chaos and ruinous that, um, th that Abimelech brings upon himself because he chooses his own way as opposed to the way of the Lord. But you look at these other judges and they're doing wonderful things. Folks like Deborah, folks like Gideon, who listened to the word of the Lord, and in listening to the word of the Lord, uh, the Lord cares for them and gives to them and, and, and blesses not just them and their vocation as judge, but also blesses the children of Israel uh, through them and allows for them to be a blessing to them. You know, you think of the, the Gideon story and uh, how, how, how Gideon, you know, in, in faith questions the way of the Lord, but never shies from what the Lord has given and how the Lord works and what the Lord does through him. And he, he allows for, for a great conquering uh, to happen through uh, the person of Gideon and to, to stave off uh, uh, evil really in, in before, before Gideon um, ultimately now uh, passes away and, and passes on uh, now the torch in a way to, to his son Abimelech who, goes in the opposite way of his father, which is, uh, which is truly sad. I, you mentioned Abimelech as a bit of an interlude within the book of Judges, and I think you're right it, in terms of its structure and in terms of certainly its, its whole, just the way that the story is laid out, it is different than what we've been seeing. We've had that cycle of rebellion from the people of Israel. The Lord brings his, his judgment against their idolatry. They cry out to him in repentance. He raises up the deliverer. They have a time of rest, and then the cycle repeats itself. And there's a bit of an interruption and a bit of an interlude here with Abimelech. And as you were going through the, the previous judges, I think Abimelech, in that sense, functions as a bit of a turning point here within the book of Judges mm -hmm. in that long section from chapters 3 through 16, as you were mentioning, the judges who come before Abimelech, uh, Ehud, Deborah, Barak, oh, Othniel's the first one, I should say, then Ehud, then Deborah and Barak, and then Gideon, uh, by and large, are fairly faithful. Each one of them, it, to a degree, has a, a fault or something about them that's a bit unusual. Ehud is left-handed, which is a bit surprising. Barak doesn't want to go <laughs> without Deborah. Uh, Gideon has his struggles toward the end of his life, particularly. But by and large, each one of them has proved to be fairly faithful on the whole. 
you've got Abimelech here in chapter nine, a couple of minor judges, uh, another sort of interlude, a, a general description of Israel in chapter 10 before you get to the next major judge, which is Jephthah in chapters 11 and 12. And then after him comes Samson. And both Jephthah and Samson, it, as, and we'll see this when we get there, those two have quite a few more sins and faults mm -hmm. and errors in their accounts than I think you see with the previous judges. And Abimelech proves to be a bit of a turning point in that sense. Yeah. And he really, I mean, you see within this account, things just really come off the rails here. And it goes in the complete, as you said, this is not the Lord's way. This is Abimelech's way. So as we look at the end of his account today, Pastor Weefeld, just remind us kind of where have we been with Abimelech? What have we seen of him so far that will prepare us to see his end today? So Abimelech is, uh, you know, he sees the work of his father, but he goes in, in, in many ways in, an, in the opposite direction. And um, he takes the power for himself. As I said, he, he, he is able to do that. And he's able to rule for a short period that, you know, it, it says he rules for three years. Um, but it, it seems, and that seems an almost a peaceful way compared to the rest mm -hmm. of uh, the, the Abimelech story where he is just wiping out people he's killing people left and right and uh it's 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 really it's it's disheartening it's sad to see this that he's choosing to go down this path but i think at the, at the same time with the with, like with the other uh with the judges the earlier judges who all have the you know minor minor infractions sins nonetheless but you no know, more minor things compared to abimelech the lord ultimately is going to work through them because then it prepares Israel for some some good times in the minor prophets that will come at the end of uh of 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 our section for today to say you know between the two of them uh they rule for like 45 years uh, and 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 all we get is you know a couple of verses that <laughs> it seems like it was it's almost you know this wonderful peaceful time because no longer are we being tyrannically ruled by Abimelech? But uh, uh, but but these judges just serve faithfully. They might have their their own sins, but they 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 are they still uh, work in the way of the Lord. And the Lord works through us even as we are sinners. Mm. Uh, the Lord continues to bless others through us even though we are sinners. He doesn't require us to be perfect in order to you know, share his good news of the gospel to, to show acts of mercy to those who are uh, in need of acts of mercy. He doesn't require us in, in the way of getting right with the Lord before you can, you know, whether it be receive his gifts or, or be perfect before you can receive his gifts, receive forgiveness. He requires us to trust in him, to, um, to, to have him, to acknowledge that he is uh, where, from where salvation comes from, and he's the only source of that. And that's only uh, able to happen through the gift of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. who continues to grow faith in us. First, to acknowledge our depravity, to acknowledge that we are truly sinners and that we cannot free ourselves from our sin, and to rely solely on the grace and mercy 
of our Lord and uh, the mercy withholding the things that we truly deserve, sin, death, and hell, and grace giving us the things that we don't deserve. That's eternal life. That's forgiveness. That's a seat at the, the right hand of the Father where uh, our, the Son, our brother Christ is also. So, it, you know, the Lord works through these things and the Lord ultimately uh, gives to us forgiveness and life and salvation. Even, in, even as we are still sinners, Christ has died for us. And so, you know, as we move on looking at the person of Abimelech, I think, you know, it's, it, it's very, it's very interesting to see, you know, how unfaith or rejection of faith works uh, and the rejection of the gift works of, of the Lord, the rejection of the Lord ultimately works, that the Lord will stay his judgment and, and, you know, work through faith to, to bring the, to bring the person uh, to the right, to see, to, to uh, have them see that they are sinful in their, in their works. And I think, you know, that's, that's something that we see in the earlier, in the earlier, uh, the earlier judges that, you know, in, in an acknowledgement of what, what sins they've committed, but you don't see that in, in Abimelech. He continues to reject the way of the Lord and in rejecting the way of the Lord, uh, over and over and over and over and over again, ultimately, uh, the Lord lets him have his way and lets him uh, lets him go in a way that is he just lets him have it his way. And Abimelech's way is a way of ruin and destruction and death and chaos. And so uh, in choosing uh, Abimelech's way, Abimelech ultimately finds end uh, you know, as he is one that that drives forward with force and the sword, so also he will um, he ends with force and his end is with the force and with with the sword, the sword that we'll see being plunged into him, where as he lives as a man uh, without giving honor to those, whether it be women to, to you know, showing um, uh, care for, for, for the women that he's killing that are wrapped up in uh, these groups of people, probably children, too. Um, so he is one that is going to die without honor also uh and you know something that he fears uh at the, at the end of his life thus you know being killed by his uh his, his servant his young man there and uh finally that he is one who it kills people and people are trying to constantly kill him that he is one that has no rest no peace in his soul uh because he's stirring all of this uh, all of this killing up both in his works, but also in what people are trying to do to him also. Yeah. The, I think it was one of our previous guests made that same reference that you were making there, that all those who take the sword die by the sword as our Lord mm -hmm. speaks on the night of uh, Monday, Thursday before his, before his suffering and death. And, and Abimelech is a perfect example of that where just over and over again, he refuses the way of the Lord and the Lord lets him see where that way goes. And, and that's what yeah. we're going to see in today's text is the end of that way that Abimelech has chosen for himself. And, and what ends up happening is evil ends up defeating itself, which is, I mean, all of this is, is a bit ironic given what just happened with Abimelech's father, Gideon, yeah. where, where Gideon in the victory that he won, 
I mean, yes, he he had the sword, he was fighting, but the Lord did all the fighting for him against Midian. Gideon and his army really were just there watching the Lord send Midian into a panic, and then they just picked up the spoils, essentially. Absolutely. Here you've got Abimelech trying to do the exact opposite of what his father has done, and and it ends in the exact opposite of the way that his his father's end came. So that's what we're going to see it in today's text. Let's let's start reading here in Judges nine. We're in uh, Judges nine verse forty two. On the following day, the people went out into the field, and Abimelech was told he took his people and divided them into three companies and set an ambush in the fields. And he looked and saw the people coming out of the city. So he rose against them and killed them. Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate of the city, while the two companies rushed upon all who were in the field and killed them. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He captured the city and killed the people who were in it, and he raised the city and sowed it with salt. So I'll, I'll pause there for us, uh, Pastor Wheatfeld. Just to, as a reminder, verse 42 starts on the following day. So what's what's happened just previous to this that's leading into all this killing that we see in this part of the text? Yeah, so uh, just right before all of this killing that we see in the text, um, Abimelech has just driven out Gaul and... Um, uh, from 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 his place and all of his relatives as well. So he's Abimelech. It's it, it's simply showing that Abimelech is take no prisoners and that he is pushing, pushing, pushing um, as as quickly in many ways as quickly. I would argue uh, or, or or say maybe a better way to think of it as is as chaotically and as frantically as he possibly can to to decimate his uh his his opponents it's something that you see uh when he kills uh the 70 the 70 brothers as well that i mean he's just frantically trying to hold on to any bit of power that he possibly can and i think yeah the, the killing of the 70 brothers really opens up this new um way of trying to um hold on to power through through murder and through death. But as he, uh, the tighter that he holds on to his power, the further and further and further it continues to slip out of his hand. And it, 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 he, but he, because he doesn't realize that true power doesn't come through force. True, uh, the, the power of the Lord and what the Lord gives doesn't happen by force. You can't force it on yourself. You can't force it on other people. Uh, it, it's it in many ways it's it's like the gospel. You cannot force that on people. And when you try to force it on people, you turn it into uh, something that it's not, and it doesn't have the same or any weight that it does that it that it should because it's not given in the way that it was intended and it's not being used in the way that it it was intended and so um it's you know he just continues to 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 work through um through through that and uh continues to just lay waste and you know i, I it, as you were reading this you know just thinking of of him now how much he is uh, trying to just decimate these people, how he even at the end, he as he kill as, as, as he captures the city and kills the people, he destroys the city. He raises the city, breaks it down completely. And to take it a step further, even sows 
the city with salt that will completely just destroy any living thing that might be there. And then not only any living thing that might be there, but you have to wait a period of time before anybody can move back in there. Uh, he's he's destroyed it now in this time, but also for a period of time into the future also. So he's just he it's it's again this complete and utter destruction, this uh, reckonness, this ruinness that he brings with himself. And it's I think it's worth pointing out too that as this text is starting, Abimelech is now beginning to turn on the very people who helped him ascend into power mm -hmm. in the first place. So I think you you mentioned he came to power by killing all of his brothers other than one. Jotham survived and and we hear from him in the very beginning of this account in chapter 9, but it was the Shechemites who helped yeah. Abimelech do all of this. And now he's beginning to turn on them. Turn on them. Mm -hmm. And and this is, I mean, this is a theme that I think we see throughout the scriptures where evil turns against itself and ends up destroying itself. And this is this is the Lord's hand in this, judging evil by turning evil on itself. I'm, I'm reminded of, of this. I think this line gets used in, in many movies and, and stories where where some some character will say to another, don't trust anyone. And, yeah. and it'll be that very character who, who uttered those words that ends up being the betrayer. So the person who tells someone else, don't trust anyone, is the, un, is the untrustworthy person himself. And I, that proves true here in this, this count, too, that, that Abimelech, who's, who's offered to be this ruler for the, the people of Shechem, now is turning on the very people that helped put him into power in the first place. And you, you just end up seeing how, how evil turns on itself. Evil ends up destroying itself, which is, I, I think for us serves first as a warning uh, as we were talking, not to follow after this way, the way of man, sinful man, rather to follow after the way of the Lord. And I think it also can serve as a comfort to us as Christians when we think about the way that evil oppresses us, that when we find ourselves oppressed by evil, we, we've seen in Scripture several times how the Lord does make it right. And, and he doesn't always do that in this life. Sometimes we are, we're waiting for him to, to make it right when he comes on the last day and raises us from the dead and finally puts an end to all evil. But I think when we see, we see these examples in Scripture, Abimelech today— it, it serves in both those ways, warning that we would not follow after that way and also comfort for us when we are oppressed by evil to know that in the end, the Lord will bring justice and and grace to his people. Absolutely. I mean, I think you hit you hit you hit a spot on. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it, it serves in both a law and gospel way that the, the I mean, the showing us, you know, in, in many ways, you know, a guide, a mirror um, so that uh, we don't. Uh, you know, go down that way. I should say, as a guide, we don't go down that way. But it also it also acts as a mirror, so that we can analyze ourselves and to continue to uh, use those who are, uh, uh, you know, who who uh, you know, are, we've been so blessed with hearing the accounts uh, in regard to the faith or lack of faith. To say we don't want to be like that person. Um, I need I, I don't don't do these things. And when I do these things, you know, bad things always 
happen um, and, uh, it, it, and and that. But then it also serves in the way of the gospel that knowing that the Lord is ultimately in control of these things, that it's the Lord who is, you know, who, who is who, who can, can cares for his people. And yeah, uses uses others to care for us as well in you know in this physical world in a tangible way, uh, and and that in caring for us, uh, the Lord uh, continues to use both good people and evil people uh, as He does uh, throughout the course of, of of the history of Israel. He uses both the good you know the the judges the, the judges and the kings, uh, but He also uses and 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 but He also uses people evil. They're you know like Abimelech. Or Babylon or Syria, he always uses uh, he uses whatever he has to or whatever he has, and uh, to to really uh, help uh, the children of Israel see the light. Right, he he makes use of it, and he also doesn't let the evil get away with it either. He makes it right in the end, and and he brings his justice for his people. That's what we're seeing here in the account of Abimelech, even in the book of Judges. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFO. Going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Please stick around. Have you ever wondered if your investments could do more? I mean, a whole lot more. This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. When you invest with us, you not only earn a competitive interest rate, but your investment goes to strengthen Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations through low-cost loans and services. To learn more, visit lcef.org backslash invest101. Human beings worry about forces they believe are against them. Sometimes those forces are on the outside, other times within. Self-doubt, self-denigration, a guilty conscience. On the next Sing for Joy, there is music of support and encouragement. Join us. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. Soldiers, athletes, and musicians know that physical training develops reflexes to respond in the moment without having to think about it. What about spiritual training? Dr. Michael Ziegler tells how God gives his people the reflex to reflect his mercy for the world. Reflexive mercy, this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It's Friday, July 24th. We're looking at Judges chapter 9, verse 42 through chapter 10, verse 5. We've got Pastor Matt Wheatfelt with us. He serves as the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, we've been looking at the, the account of Abimelech, and we've seen how he's turned against the very people that put him into power. Evil has turned upon itself, and that trajectory is only going to continue as the text progresses. So we're going to pick it up again here, now in Judges 9, verse 46, and the violence only grows. When all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem heard of it, they entered the stronghold of the house of el Barith. Abimelech was told that all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech went up to Mount Zamon 
he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bundle of brushwood and took it up and laid it on his shoulder. And he said to the men who were with him, what you have seen me do, hurry and do as I have done. So every one of the people cut down his bundle and following Abimelech, put it against the stronghold. And they set the stronghold on fire over them so that all the people of the tower of Shechem also died about 1000 men and women. So we'll pause there again. So here, here you see Pastor Wheatfelt, Abimelech now again, he's, he's going against the very people that had put him in power, these leaders of Shechem. They've gathered together, and rather than looking for any kind of peace or diplomatic solution, we see Abimelech just grow in this violence that has characterized his reign of these three years. Absolutely. It's it's one of the, you know, this is the this is the beginning of the end for Abimelech. And we see his anger, his rage, his, you know, mur- I, I, have, I have it as a murderous rampage, just ramping up and becoming even more and more destructive. Whereas, you know, the, the previous judges have fought against those who um, you know, are, are, are against the children of Israel. Now, uh, Abimelech is, you know, in a sense, biting the hand that has fed him. Uh, he's, you know, evil is eating itself. And uh, he, he's going after those who helped him get into into power. And it's such a such a horrible, destructive way. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, he, he first you know, lays waste to uh, the, the city previous and salts it at the end. Now he's burning down the tower. Um, and it's you know it says that a thousand men and women died uh, here, and uh, it's just such a such a such a horrible thing. And not just that it, it it's it's a horrible thing in and of itself, but uh, it's the way in which uh, he he does it. He 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 just continues to um, go at uh, the the people and does not stop does not stop until it's all destroyed. And what's going to happen is that destruction is going to rain down destruction on himself. The Lord is letting him have his way. He is killing and will be uh, uh, killed himself uh, here at the end. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, he just continues to, to, to destroy uh, these people. It, it is a very merciless way of way of violence that Abimelech has now fallen into and it, it it's only going to continue one of the things that I think stands out from this brief section is that the leaders of the tower of Shechem in order to escape Abimelech at the very beginning it says they go into the stronghold of the house of Elberit now at the beginning of Abimelech's account we're told that when he's getting ready to take power, these leaders of Shechem actually give him money tr- from the treasury of the house of Baal Barith, which, so, I mean, this is, so Baal is, is a proper name for a Canaanite god. El is just the, it's the title God in, in that same mm-hmm. language. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I think there's a connection between those two. And, and I think it's, it's an ironic one. So at the beginning of his account, Abimelech is able to take power using money from the treasury of a false god. Here now, mm-hmm. you've got those people who took the money out of that treasury trying to find refuge in that same false god. And, and of course, they don't find it there because Baal, El, the, the Canaanite deities are, are pagan gods. They're, they're false gods. They're not, they're not real. They're idols. And so there is no refuge. And it's just it's a very ironic scene 
it's also, I think, ironic in in the sense that when you think about Gideon, one of the Abimelech's father, one of the very first things that Gideon does as judge is he tears down the idolatrous shrine that was there in his father's household. And so here Mm -hmm. you've got his son who's who's now going to destroy an idolatrous shrine, but but not for the purposes of of being a a wise and godly leader, but rather for the purposes of of vengeance and and that same himself up. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's it's just terribly ironic because while while the I guess I, I suppose that you could say that while the shrine of this false god is being destroyed, Abimelech is going to be destroyed right along with it, and that's just the whole tragedy, mm-hmm. the irony of this entire account. Absolutely, I think yeah, I think you're spot on, but it just I think it continues to show that truth is going to weigh out one way or the other, and how. Um, and and the true God is going to weigh out one way or the other. And that these, these pagan shrines and this paganism that Abimelech really has absorbed into himself. I mean, in many ways, it's his, his, his the whole, the whole of, uh, of Abimelech's story is almost demonic in the way that it, it continues to, hmm. uh, magnify in and of itself how he first takes the money and then uh, he can then then this then then he props himself up with the help of of the Shechemites and then uh, then uh, he he continues through a murderous rampage and and fr- frankly at the end uh, when we get to it even even in his death um, you know taking a millstone to the head um, you know I don't I don't know many people that could survive that. It's almost superhuman that he even survives that. Uh, And in in many ways, almost demonic that he, that he, that he survives that, but then, uh, you know, dies by the hand of his, of, of the young man with him. So there's some, you know, in many ways I've not, I haven't thought, I didn't think about that previously, but as we're talking, it's almost, you know, adding the false gods into the, into the equation. It's almost demonic how, how Abimelech's continues to ramp up, the evil within himself. And, uh, you know, it would be very interesting yeah, to, 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 to do some more study in that regard. No. And I think you're to, to connected to the demonic. I think you're exactly right because at the beginning of yesterday's text, when it does talk about Abimelech ruling over Israel for three years, it says that instead of the Lord sending his Holy spirit upon him, as we saw with Gideon, his father, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the Lord actually sends an evil spirit. And so I think evil to connect spirit, this to, yeah. to the demonic is, is precisely right. And, and, and all that connected with the idolatry. I mean, again, we're seeing how the Lord lets evil run its course and that evil destroys itself all the while he'll, he is still bringing about good for his people. And, and I think as, yeah. as you've already hinted towards, we're going to see that in these two minor judges that we'll look at at the very end. So let's keep going. Let's see how then Abimelech meets his end. We're picking it up again in Judges 9, verse 50. Then Abimelech went to Thebes and encamped against Thebes and captured it. But there was a strong tower within the city, and all the men and women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in, and they went up to the roof of the tower. And Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it and drew near to the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, draw your sword and kill me, lest they say of me, a woman killed him. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. 
And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, everyone departed to his home. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father in killing his 70 brothers. And God also made all the evil of the men of Shechem return to their heads. And upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Drubbabal. All right, that's the end of, of chapter nine, the death of Abimelech. So here the text starts, and it sounds very familiar to what, what Abimelech's been doing all along. He's getting a bit power hungry. And just a, a reminder, you know, really, we, we talk about Abimelech says he's the king of Israel, but his rule is really quite localized. He's really only got power in Shechem. Now he he's acting like he wants to expand that, expand his mm. reign of terror. He goes to this this other city, and it sounds very familiar, but the, the story quickly takes that turn where the Lord then is going to allow evil to kill itself. So take us into the account of Abimelech's death here, Pastor Wheatfelt. Yes, I mean it. Really, ultimately, yeah, it is. It's 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 evil killing itself. How you know he wipes? He he's 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 destroying the Shechemites, and now um, as he continues to proceed forward, it's it it, it is it is uh, and, and to bring ruinous uh, you know in, into this other place, he he meets his demise through the frankly the most unseemly of sources, mm -hmm. a woman who uh, throw, casts a, an upper millstone upon him. I mean, to be, I mean, he, he, he's not, he's not, you know, badly wounded by an element of war, but by kind of an, a domestic element in that regard, uh, you know, a, a millstone being used to grind uh, in the mill. And it, it's not an it's not an element of war, but it's an element of 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 of, of domestic life, of 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 the of farm life, what whatever whatever you want to call it, and uh, it, so he 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 loses it. He 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 doesn't want to die in this shameful way by a woman by a millstone. So what does he have do? He has his young man uh, who is his armor bearer uh, draw his sword and kill him, and lest they say he he met an a dishonorable death, an unhonorable death for a soldier uh, to be killed by a to be killed by a woman. Uh, but uh, and 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 it's like almost immediately, immediately, every, once once Israel sees that Abimelech's dead, everything goes back to normal. Everything returns to the way that it was before. It was this isolated evil that was raining down first on uh, first on a, 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 on the Shechemites. Uh, and the Lord using Abimelech to swallow up their evil and to kill their evil. But then when it comes to Israel, the Lord uses, you know, the most common and, you know, in, in, in the way of a war, shameful ways for, for Abimelech to die. And everything returns. Everything returns back to normal. Uh, or at least what normal was for them, because no longer are they being pursued by this evil rampaging king. But instead, uh, they know that the Lord has it all in control and that they can return, that this 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 thing that they had feared was no longer something to was, was no longer alive and was no longer there. And so in, in the Lord kind of the Lord is the one that brings back brings things back to right. Mm -hmm. And it's it's in the hands of the Lord. It's not what anyone else has done. The Lord uses the weak 
to tear down the strong, as we as we say in uh, in the Magnificat, uh, Mary's song. Uh, he 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 demotes the high and raises up the low, and that's exactly exactly what he has done. And in many ways, you know, as I as as I was reading this, you know, this 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 tearing down or this casting down of uh, of of the millstone. Um, you know, I don't want to take it too far but it's almost typological of what the church does to the world that the world is this evil rampaging psychopath but the church standing off simply has to cast what it has of its own into or upon the world in the ordinary and the mundane, in the in a word, in water and a word, in bread and wine and word coming together to forgive all to forgive sins, and that the the world is destroyed, or the evil of the world is destroyed, and what happens for those who are held up in the stronghold of uh, uh, for Israel or for the church, we return. We return to our homes to live out our days. So in many ways, this is almost typological of what happens in church. We gather together, not necessarily fearing the things of the world, but knowing that the world hates us, knowing that the world wants us dead, knowing that the world um, wants nothing to do with what we are about. And in fact, storms our doors in order to kill us each and every day. Sin, death, and the devil want nothing more than for you and for me to reject what Christ has given in himself. But Christ continues to share his goodness, his gifts with us in order to give us strength to live out our days, in order to combat those things that the devil has and tries to use as stumbling blocks for us. And continues to gather us together into the safety of, 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 of the place that he gives to us to grow together, to be forgiven of our sins, and to be able to and receive the strength that it takes to go out into the world. So, uh, you know, I, there, there's some there's some typology, there's some symbolism there, too, that I think one could 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 faithfully, you know, look at not going too far, obviously, um, but just, so, you know, seeing seeing that Christ is in every place and all over Holy Scripture, uh, I would be hard pressed to say, yeah, that you know there isn't a little bit of that there too. I think I think you're right, Pastor Wheatfelt, and I, I want to take it even a, a step further. Not only in the mm -hmm. church, but the the typology, as you said, of Christ Himself. And as you're talking about this yeah. stone that's being dropped on the on the enemies of the the church, my mind my mind went to. I think it's it's Psalm 118, right? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, but but where where I was thinking from that is is in in Matthew chapter 21, where Jesus is telling a series of parables at the beginning of Holy Week, and and he tells the parable of the tenants, where where these the Lord is going to get his his grapes, the fruit of his vineyard, and so he sends servants to the vineyard to collect the fruit. And what do the tenants do? They kill these tenants eventually until they finally kill the son. 
and and Jesus puts the question to his opponents is what's what's what the, what's the master going to do? He's only like they're going to put these wretches to a wretch's end. And and then Jesus turns it on them and says, "Haven't you ever read this that that the stone <laughs> that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? It's the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes." Jesus continues in Matthew 21. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And he says this, and this was the connection I was making to what you were saying. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So here's, here's I'm trying to tie this, tie this all together now. So the, the church is being attacked by the world. The world is trying to, to, the evil of the world is trying to kill the church. And in fact, the evil of the world sometimes does. But what does the church have? The church has the rock, the stone, Jesus Christ, who was rejected by the world as well, who was also killed by the world, but has been raised and set as the cornerstone. And so now what do we have as the church? That's what we have. We have that gift of, of death and resurrection that's been given to us in holy baptism so that when the world comes at us with its raging fury, like we see in Abimelech here, what do we do? We cling to that stone, to the rock jesus christ and know that no matter what the world does to us that that we are safe in him in the true refuge not in the refuge of a false god like the people of shechem tried to take but we've got this real rock upon which we stand and even if the world should kill us in its raging fury we know that this rock has been raised from the dead and in him we too will be raised and so i mean i think i think it's a wonderful way of connecting this text to christ pastor we felt Absolutely. I think, you know, it, 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 it's just spot on that, you know, that taking it that next step and just highlighting the fact that, you know, all scripture is not just God breathed, but it is all about Christ. It is all focusing us on the person and the works of the of our of our Lord. And he, he is as the word of God. He is not just some golden thread that runs through the Bible, but uh, as 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 as, uh, as 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 I've heard it said, he is the, the whole Bible is goldened page after page after page after page. It's all about Christ and His work for us and what He has done for us, um, and and what He gives to us forgiveness, life, and salvation. So to you know to it's just amazing how even in this even in the story of Abimelech. The Lord continues to show himself to us and what he has done through his death on the cross and what he continues to do for us in caring for us and sharing uh, his life with us all our days. Let's go ahead and finish out the text we've got for today. So there's the end of, of Abimelech's account and, before, account. and before we get to any other major judges, there are a couple of minor judges and then a bit of an interlude, which we'll pick up on Monday in chapter 10. So we've got chapter 10 verses 1 through 5 for our consideration as well. After Abimelech, there arose to save Israel Tola, the son of Pua, son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, and he lived at Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim. And he judged Israel 23 years. Then he died and was buried at Shamir. After him arose Jair the Gileadite, who judged Israel 22 years. And he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys, and they had 30 cities, called Havath Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried at in Camon. That's the end of our text. That was Judges 10, verses 1 through 5. Now, Pastor Wheat felt throughout the book of Judges in that main 
chunk of the book, three through 16, those chapters, as you were saying earlier, we see several major judges who get quite a bit of space, but we also see some of these minor judges. We've already encountered Shamgar at the end of Judges chapter three, who just gets one verse. And here we've got <laughs> two more of those minor judges who just get a couple of verses. Uh, what do we need to, to know about these two judges? What should we highlight about Tola and Jair? Uh, I would highlight that the, their time served, you know, we've got we come from Abimelech, who really is only given a handful of years to serve. And what 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 is what is the legacy that he has produced? The legacy that he's produced is is one of of, of ruinous, of recklessness, of death and destruction, and one that. You know, I, th I, you know, kind of reading into at the end of of, uh, and but I think it's also safe to say uh, that the people want nothing to do with, and so they're ready to get back to the way life was. So you come to Toll, and he, you know, they they lay out his lineage, uh, and and he comes and judges for twenty three years, and in twenty, you know, compared to Abimelech's three years plus, it is very mild it's peaceful it's 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 there's there's nothing nothing to report other than he judged thanks be to god <laughs> they 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 you know he served them that well that all he get all he is given is two verses and then the same uh the the, the same with jair um he he's given you know three verses and uh, you know, one of those verses is talking about his sons who have 30 donkey or who ride, who ride on th his 30 sons who ride on 30 donkeys and had 30 cities. <laughs> so it, it, it's very peaceful and calm for those 45 years that these two minor prophets are given in order to 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 rule, to judge over Israel. And, you know, as I'm as I'm thinking about this, it's it's there's something beautiful in the simplicity of the peace that the Lord gives following the, the chaos that they'd experienced during the reign of Abimelech. They, they, I mean, for a short reign, you have, you know, all of, all of chapter, uh, all of chapter nine uh, and, and, and uh, which, which are, um, you know, 40, 50 plus odd verses and for two prophets ruling over or two judges, excuse me, ruling over 45 years, you have a total of five verses. These two have helped Israel heal and recover following the wreckedness and the ruinous. And who's the one that is ultimately in control because of their leadership or in their leadership? It's the Lord. The Lord is the one who has carried them from from Gideon to Abimelech to Tol to Jair. He is the one who is carrying them and is in control the entire time. And we can't, we, we, we can't forget that, that regardless of what, who, and who the leader is and what party is in control, the Lord or is in power at the time. The Lord is ultimately in control and the Lord is the one who will even bless us through the hands of both good and bad, like the Lord blessed uh, Israel during the time of Moses and of Joshua and of the earlier judges and in, 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 you know, in, in Deborah and in Gideon.
but he's also later going to be the one that blesses, you know, in the hands of, well, first Abimelech. And then as we go off into the uh, into the exiles, blesses the Israelites, even in the midst of the Assyrian exile and the Babylonian captivity, uh, it, it, the, the Lord is the one who ultimately is going to care for his people because the Lord, regardless of who is the leader, who is the power country, is in control. And he cares for his people and he loves his people and he wants the best for us. And sometimes that best is, uh, you know, being is being used in, in, in other ways to so that we can continue to have our idols broken down and have all and so that we can solely focus our life on him. Hmm. Now, these, these two minor judges just right here, I think, are a helpful reminder that I mean that not everything has gone off the rails in Israel. One of the things that, you know, about the book of Judges is very tribal in nature, and all the while that Abimelech is is reigning with his evil spirit there in Shechem, other judges are being very faithful. And whether maybe some of these years overlap, you know, I mean, with with these two judges over Abimelech, but but not everybody has lost. It's yeah. it, the Lord is still preserving his remnant. And, and there's an evidence of that here with these just very two minor judges, a, a reminder of who really is in control in Israel, even in the midst of all the, the evil and everything else that's that's going on. The Lord does remain in control. And that that is a very, very comforting thing, I think, even from just these few verses. So Pastor Waitfeld is the director of admissions also the director of the Christ Academy program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, helping us this morning with Judges 9, 42 through 10, verse 5. Pastor Wheatfelt, thanks as always for being our guest. My pleasure, Pastor Oppold. Again, a great joy being able to look at God's word with you. The reign of Abimelech was short, three years. It was a reign of terror throughout it all. His violence, his rage only grew. And we saw in today's text how that violence just continued to become more merciless as he slaughtered those people around him, as he became hungry for more power until that evil finally turned on itself in the Lord's judgment, and that evil ended up destroying and devouring itself in Abimelech. And in that, we have a warning, lest we follow after that same path, but also a comfort to know that the Lord does remain in control and that he does bring evil to an end for the sake of his people for whom he is reigning. And he reigns for you and for me in his son, Jesus Christ, the ultimate deliverer he has delivered us from our sins, from death, from the power of the devil, by his death, his resurrection for us. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.